പോളണ്ടിൽ എന്ത് സംഭവിച്ചു പോളണ്ടിനെ പറ്റി നീ ഒരക്ഷരം വേണ്ടരുത് Hi Harsha, how are you today? How are you? I'm great. Good. Yeah, I'm good too. Um we're <laughs> back with episode 3 and taking a little bit of a a break from our themes. Um and after the last episode's very wide-ranging discussion about the releases that went straight to streaming in 2020. Um so today we decided to maybe just do a small wrap up of 2020 films with a few films that stood out for each of us not necessarily the you know film films that might be considered the best of 2020 in some in some um objective sense but maybe a little more subjective for films that appealed to each of us yeah um i am going to talk about varinya avshimundam um almalu and anjambadana and what about you katherine um for me here i go trying to pronounce um varane avashimond um halal love story which i'll only talk on briefly because we talked a lot about it in the last episode and i'm going to need help pabam chiyatavar uh pabam i'm getting better thank you thank you for your help um So, I suggested kind of an order. Um starting with Halal Love Story. And I gushed a lot about it on the last episode. So, it probably wouldn't be any surprise to you or to anybody that it ended up being one of one of the films that stood out for me in 2020. Um for, you know, many of the reasons we touched on, a little unpretentious film uh, about a community coming together. I loved the cast. I loved the idea of a film within a film. I loved the idea of a community setting out to make a film that um adhered to their beliefs and allowed them to see themselves and their beliefs represented in the media they want to consume. Um I don't think I have to say much much more than that. It just it was a little film that I loved from beginning to end. Yes, um it is a lovely little film, definitely agree. Um my fir- first film that I chose uh is Al Malu, which is actually quite an odd film for me. Um I actually had very little context about this movie before I actually started watching it. It didn't get a lot of attention from I think the Malayalam film watching community the online crowd um despite it being available on uh through Amazon Prime so um it was available as a uh, pretty early on um through streaming um it's a, the central theme of the movie is um loyalty and friendship if you haven't guessed already bet- about Malayalis living in the gulf you know al malu which means the the malayali um and it's very low budget but it's got an interesting concept um namita pramod plays the lead uh she's a finance professional and she's very ambitious and hard working she wants to make a good life for herself and her parents she lives with four roommates um 
couple of other Malayalis, one Filipino. I really like the random bits of Tagalog that were dropped into the movie. We don't get to see a lot of interactions with it between Malayalis and Filipinos in Malayalam films, despite the fact that those two communities in um, abroad are really an intertwined because of the nursing field. Um, and Nina, the character Namita plays, uh, is engaged to this really rich man um, but things go badly. She never had a good feeling about this guy, but her friends and family were like, his dad, he sent his dad to talk to you to make the proposal. So he's really genuine about it. Um, and, and she gets over her bad feelings to commit to this guy. Um, but then he non-consensually records her, um, changing clothes in some sort of state of, uh, undress and, um, and then he tells her that he's actually engaged to this Mayali heiress uh, in Dubai, like, just like his family. Uh, he says he wants to keep seeing her uh, as a, like, an extramarital affair. <laughs> and she gets very upset and she breaks up with him. Um, and then he threatens her with the video he had recorded of her. And um, the secondary lead is played by this new actor. Never seen him in anything before, Fariz Majid. Um, he plays Shri, who's just arrived from Saudi um, after Nina's engagement breaks up, and she he joins us like a junior to her in her company, um, and he's terrified of women, so she's kind of his boss, and he's terrified of women, even though like all the girls in the company think he's cute and are trying to get his attention. Um, Nina had to take a mental health break from work after her engagement and um, she started ta starts taking some meds for anxiety and so she starts falling behind in her work. She uh, steps in uh, to help cover for her and they become friends and I think his nervousness about women and like her as a boss uh, makes her feel safe with him in a way that maybe her ex-fiance had kind of violated her trust so she, she has a hard time trusting men. Um, she lives in an apartment with a bunch of other uh, bachelors and that, uh, in a flat that's owned by um, married, a married couple who are expecting a child. So they, these bachelors kind of form an extended family around them. And, and she invites Nina to become a part of this, uh, this extended network of, uh, you know, found family as well. Um, the tail end of the film explores why she's so scared of women and um, it reveals to us the, you know, what exactly went down with Nina and her ex-fiance and how she gets back at him. It's a weirdly directed and paced film for the kind of substantial story it's telling, right? It is. It is. And, um, I, and you're right. It was a film I probably wouldn't have got to it unless because I had decided to go down the, all of the list of things that I could find on streaming. Um, there are some, I mean, it's it's obvious that it's a bit low budget and some of the choices are made by that. Um, but that's, you know, for me, that's not enough to, to ruin a film. Um, I do like some of the things that it does. I like the ideas of, you know, their various found families, which I guess happens, you know, with people living in the Gulf because you're away from family. So you, you, you build these little friendships that become kind of like family groupings. I like those kind of things. Um, I did wonder at times if the film wasn't sure exactly what story it wanted to tell, particularly in, 
like I, I, I don't, I, I didn't find Sri's story as well developed as I might have. And there's a very odd song near the end of the film <laughs> yes, where Lal comes yes. in to, to play a priest. And I know when I when I wrote a review, I was sort of torn because I like wedding songs, and his message is actually very uplifting. But it was a very odd choice at that point in the film. Yes. Um, so I, as I was watching this, I was like, this movie was clearly made for the guy who plays Shri to get like some sort of starring role. There's, this wasn't like made because somebody, I mean, like, I'm sure the script writer or the guy who came up with the story was like, I want this important story told. But the fact that it was developed and got made is was solely because Faris Majid needed a starring role. And I did look it up, and so the producer is somebody called Sajil Majid, uh, we assume a relation, and the actor who plays the terrible ex-fiance is Anup Majid, so we are assuming another <laughs> relation. And that also makes sense. He, they probably paid boatloads of money for Lal to make that appearance, for Mia George uh, to make that appearance as, like, the heiress. Yep. Um, and, and, yeah, obviously, uh, Namida Pramod got paid tons of money because she never acts in most, like, movies like these. She usually plays, like, the girlfriend or something in, like, high-budget movies. Um, and at one point, the, the film sort of tries to turn itself into a thriller as well. Um, there's, a, there's a woman, yes. the friend who ends up dead, and, and it, like, they're... That there's the mystery around that and solving it. And I sort of felt at times it was trying to do too many things rather than focus on the one story and, and maybe making some of those things a little, I, I mean, and yet I didn't, you know, it, I did, I wasn't offended watching it. I mean, that's, that sounds like a terrible thing to say. Like some some films make me incredibly angry, I think this uh, movie had its heart in the right place. Um, yes, the I agree. More, more, the morals of the spouse were correct. Like you know, uh, for you know, it seemed it uh, it aligned with my morals. You know that women shouldn't be blamed for um, living their lives. Uh, and, and, you know, that's kind of the speech. I mean, like, La literally, like, gives a speech about yes. it at the end of the movie. Um, and you're right, it does turn into a mystery. Um, I, actually, I actually saw a, a, a thread between this and See You Soon, you know, apart from the Malayalis yes. in the Gulf thing. Um, this is not a computer screen film, but the way the mystery un, um, un, unravels is, is also told through technology and, and uh, what happens on your phone and computer, things like that. Um, I remember talking to uh, a screenwriter who works in Hindi films in like 2010-ish, 2011, and I remember uh, him saying that like MMS films, like Ragni MMS, uh, Love, Sex, or Doka, or Chapa Kurishin Malayalam were boring at that time. But we're seeing how, how the idea of technology revealing some deeper truths about us as people is, is definitely something that has kept evolving. And mm. we're seeing some interesting things happening. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I uh, as I, as you said, it was it was an interesting watch uh, for me. It, it, it was <laughs> the last the ending song was weird, but the actual like conclusion of the movie was was satisfying for me. Yeah, and I agree. I yeah, agree. And, and spoiler, um, so anybody who wants to watch this can stop now. Um, so Shri's fear of women is traced back to um, a, a childhood sexual abuse by a family friend of his. And um, this is the second time in movies that we're seeing boy children, like uh, boys uh, who were subject to um, sexual abuse as children after Kure, um talking about like the sort of long lasting effect on their lives. Um, and this this will come into play later when we uh, when I talk about one of my other movies, the way Malayalam cinema isn't afraid of touching childhood sexual abuse anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure I enjoyed as much how it was handled. Um, I think he got short shrift a little bit in. Um, but I do, I do think it was really interesting that they, they decided to raise that as, as one of the issues that this film deals with. And I, I think part of it was, well, yes, I think they wanted to address this as a serious issue, but I think they also wanted to justify the reasons you would separate from your family of origin. Um, and decide that their opinion of you doesn't matter. Mm. And that your found family is actually, like, actually can be enough. And you don't need to uh, make yourself less uh, to be accepted by your family. Mm. So I think we'd both recommend that, that people take a chance on it with, you know, a few mis not misgivings but go but going in with the idea that it's it's a film that's that has a certain um direction it wants to go in it deals with certain issues it's a platform to launch the actor Shri. yeah we um, don't know his name but we keep reminding ourselves <laughs> <laughs> At some point, we're Catherine, going to talk about. I can't see your face at all. The mic is covering it. Sorry. I'll move my camera. Is that better? Is that better? Oh, yeah, it's a little better. Here, let me turn the mic. Nope, that's going to cover me up more. Nope. to find a way to put it is that better yes i think that's typically where you have it okay so i think we're i think we're done with al malu yes
And I think I re recommended that maybe we go to your next choice, which is Anjampatera next. Yes. So the next film I wanted to talk about was Anjampatera. This is uh, this is a uh, directed by Mithun Manuel Thomas, um, the guy behind the Odd franchise, um, as well as he wrote uh, one of my favorite Malayalam films of all times, uh, Om Shanti Oshana. Um, he is a really interesting interesting figure in Malayalam cinema. He does come out with these uh, unexpected uh, stories, you know, like going from like Om Shanti Oshana to Ada to um, Anne Maria Kalipilana, which is also about like a little girl, um, and Alamada, um, and now Anjan Badra. It's a, it's a full on like thriller following a serial killing in the city of Kochi of police officers. Um, Anwar Hussein, which is played by Kunjako Bolagun, is, um, uh, he's a clinical psychologist and he, he wants to become uh, uh, a criminal psychologist. So he's kind of, he's doing his PhD um, and he wants to get some field work experience. So he, he, he gets uh, in touch with this police officer who is, uh, played by uh, this guy who's become a stalwart of playing this kind of characters, um, Jinu Joseph. Um, he, ha you know, Jinu Joseph plays uh, an ACP called Anil, and um, you know they have a, like a big brother little brother relationship it seems, and um, Anwar really trusts him. So um, ACP Anil kind of brings him into this. Uh, it, uh, uh, calls him in because there's been a murder of a, a police officer um, after he went missing for a day or so and um, says that, you know, hey, you can get some experience uh, for your, uh, uh, like, for your field work. And um, this turns into a serial killing um, that is called the Nidhidevada Kolabadangal, which is, which means the lady, uh, the goddess of justice um, murders because the killer leaves a um, lady justice statue at each of the murder uh, with each of the bodies and instead of like lady justice being blind she has very deep uh, defined eyes and she has the face of um, a Malayali woman rather than a Greek woman as uh, they emphasize in the movie and um, uh, some of the other characters are um, th this um, sorry what is that lady's name the uh, the DCP Catherine Maria yes, the, yes. so uh, Unimaya Prasad plays uh, DCP Catherine who is like the boss leading this investigation and she she is under a lot of pressure from the Kerala police to uh, find the people who are murdering police officers, and um, she's she's kind of uh, keeps coming up at dead ends, and they keep losing. Uh, they've lost by the time they've lost like four police officers. They're taken off the case, uh, and like new a new team's brought in to investigate, 
And so then um, Anwar starts investigating on his own, and he finds that there, um, there is actually a secret that uh, DCP Anno has, ACP Anno has been keeping from him, and and that there, you know, there's actually like something that ties these serial killings together um, beyond them being police officers. I actually, this was um, a film I actually got to see in the theater. Uh, because it came out early enough that um, the the group here that organizes these things um, brought it in. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And it really was a departure um, for Mid-Emmanuel Thomas. And I like that. I like... Um, I like a filmmaker who wants to take chances or move in different directions or try something different. I also... Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about Conchaco Bobbin because I find his career and how he's sort of rebuilding his career after taking a break for a while and trying to shed the whole chocolate boy image, which uh, I've read he's never been comfortable with. Um, but I really, I, I really sort of thought this was this was another interesting choice for him. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen him play too many. We've really seen him play serious people, but we, you know, he's one of those actors who's never played a cop. I don't think he's ever played a cop. I can't remember now. Now, people, please correct me if I'm wrong, but typically playing a cop is like something that like Malayalam movie actors just do because it's part of their like uh, repertoire of roles. But I don't think he's ever played a cop, and this is like the closest thing he's done to uh, being a cop. No, I think you're right. I I think you're right. I mean, I can I can think of. Niven Pauly has played a cop. DQ is, is always playing a cop. <laughs> Dulcair has played a cop. Yeah, it, it seems to be some kind of rite of passage. You have to have the tick tick the cop box off your your uh, your resume. Even Jayasuya, who's like a contemporary of Kunjako Bobins, has like played a cop. He's too soft in a lot of ways, so it makes sense that he plays like the cerebral type of um, um, type of uh, investigator. And the movie kept comparing this to actually less, not very much to this movie's favor is um, um, Munarita, uh, which is about another potential serial killer and you know the whole going into the uh, jail cell uh, jail to talk to a uh, serial killer or guy who's been accused of serial killing i i found the the fact that that the acting was very stilted in this movie and stiff like they couldn't like everybody was like we're playing a cop so we're all gonna be like like we're gonna act like this um we're going to act in, like, this very stuffed way. And everybody's tense all the time, but, like, especially the actress playing uh, Catherine Maria, I felt like she wasn't served very well with the dialogue she was given yep. because all she had to do was, like, reprimand her subordinates. And um, uh, I felt like... I wish, like, we had a little more um, insight into her personal life. We got some insights into both Anwar's personal life and we got some uh, insights into Anil's personal life, but it was interesting that she never got, uh, as the senior investigator, some sort of context to her. 
One of the things that stood out for me, though, was that little cameo by Indrans as Ripper Ravi, where he's going. I thought through. it was so good. <laughs> my my only frustration was that much of that um, interaction was not subtitled. Ah, okay. So I didn't watch this with subtitles at all. I watched it yeah. on MX Player, and it didn't have any subtitles at all. Um, I mean, I got enough of it to realize how truly um, terrifying that character is. I just, I, I'm constantly amazed at Indrans who can come in and do something like this um, and just make, I think that was the most impactful character for me in the whole film. Um, he was truly creepy. I think we've discussed before how Indrans, uh, in this stage of his career in in sort of this post-new generation era now, new generation and this post-new generation era, he's really, he's really uh, like, like, livens up any, any movie he's in now because you expect something weird, something interesting, something unique that only he can bring. And I think because he's such a slight man, um, the fact that he's so, he's done these horrible things has uh, really, makes it even more terrifying and he's i mean he's so chilling when when and i and i love the fact that anwar is looking for reasons behind killings he's looking for motive and ripper ravi says to him um something like it's really thrilling just to bash someone's head in like that's that's what drives me, and it's it's not what Anwar is expecting. Like it really doesn't matter who the person is, or you know if they've been whatever. It's just this is the moment where I want the thrill of killing someone, and he just manages to deliver that in a way that is like, oh, I think I was clutching at myself in the theater. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, this is, uh, it becomes a lot more action-oriented than I thought it was going to become um, with, you know, when we start unraveling uh, what ACP Anil's story is. Um, and and, and, and uh, Sharafuddin actually plays a very, very interesting character, and he's an actor I really enjoy watching he he sometimes gets to play leads but a lot of the time he gets to play these like side characters and i'm really really um happy that he got to play like a full-on uh negative role in this <laughs> um I, I i thought the action was really good like he was really good in the action scenes and i i don't know if he had like a stunt double i felt like he did have a stunt double because a, a lot of the time it didn't look like him who was doing the action scenes but i was really impressed by those scenes and and it like there it was it was very it felt very physical and like in like real in a way that i haven't experienced a lot of indian cinema doing action like typically indian cinema's action is like dishum dishum and and you know like it's typically hong kong cinema that's that does action really well um and i, I was really impressed by the, the mm. those scenes with the physical violence i think the other thing that that stood out for me too is is the way that um anwar is anwar is trying to look at 
things from a Kerala perspective. He's trying to look at Kerala society and find motivations for the crimes rather than, than rely on stuff that comes from outside of Kerala. I mean, it, you know, he's, he, he's studying, he's learning all of that, but he also wants to explore what might be particularly um, Kerala in the crimes that he's looking at. Yeah, I think he, uh, I think part of the thesis of his whole viewpoint about crime is that it's a product of the society that it's happening in. And he recommends, he says that, you know, in one of, he get, he's giving a, a lecture at a college that his wife teaches at, um, she's a psycho she's in psychology too. And, and he says that, you know, instead of looking outside, look at Dr. Benjamin Lewis, uh, who is Sheriff Adeen's character, look at his writings about crime and um, serial killings, and you might get a, have a better understanding of what's happening here. And, you know, I think that's kind of the, I would say if there's a conclusion to this, is that crime is kind of a product of the society it's from. And I will say, this is another movie. Once again, there's uh, child sexual abuse. But I, what I found is that still in, in, in a more progressive era where we're comfortable talking about childhood sexual abuse, we're finding that when girls get sexually abused, we, they think about the impact on their family and society, which is what this movie is about. But when boys get sexually abused, we only think about the impact on them as individuals. We, I was really disappointed that I didn't want to know about Rebecca, the child who is sexually abused in this movie. I didn't want. I didn't want to know what you know. I didn't want to get give her a happy ending, um, or anything like that. And I was actually relieved that they didn't like at the end. They didn't pan out to show Rebecca with her child, like raising the child and stuff like that. They didn't give it like a happy ending. But I did want to know about it as an impact on her as an individual because we see the impact on her family and on the larger society that where this where this crime has happened but we never get to see how did this affect her development hmm. i was saddened by that i think <laughs> that's i i think i wanted this was uh, it was it was very male-centric and um both the character of uh, the DCP, Catherine Maria and, and Rebecca, the survivor of sexual abuse, I think deserved more from this movie. Yeah, and I really, I liked the fact that the DCP in charge was a woman, but you're right, she's often just, you know, given to spouting lines that don't mean a lot, reprimanding people and, um, it is a little frustrating that it could have been much more. I think the only time I, I got anything like, oh, there's, you know, it felt like they were trying to give her a context is when, you know, after they're taken off the case, um, Anna where and her go have a drink and they're like talking about like what, you know, it meant to them to be, um, taken off the case and I was like oh I, I'm getting a little bit more from her but yeah I hope 
in the sequel. I don't know. Probably it's just going to be about Umber because <laughs> that's what clearly what the sequel is uh, interested in. I hope we get a little bit more about her as a person because she seems like a very upstanding officer. Mm. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward to the sequel. Like I got enough. <laughs> I was engaged enough with the with the first film. Um and and its themes and its characters that I would be very happy to see. It would be nice to see some of these things solved, made better. And maybe, you know, sometimes with a, with, with a second crack at characters, that can make a difference too. I, I, I hope so. I hope we get more on Rebecca. I hope she's like a crazy, like, zero for two, like... I hope we get more out of that. Um, well, and yeah, that I, you know, that would be interesting too, because you know there are many fewer women serial killers, and it would be really interesting to see that explored. Look, we've given them an idea. If they haven't yeah, written it already, like, <laughs> take us up, Mister Manuel Thomas. We're giving you a free idea. <laughs> I did think oh. one of the twists, like, honestly, this movie was a twist. Like, I did I couldn't see what was coming. And that, that is the best thing I could say about this movie is that I honestly didn't see the twist coming. And, and that was, that was great because I thought this was going to be like an unabashed celebration of Kerala Fugis. And it turns out it's not, it wasn't. And, and it got, it got all very complicated at the end. It did, and I agree. I really, I really liked that because I, I've spoken before about how if if I twig to something early in the film, it destroys the film for me, and that's a very personal experience. And this time, this time, I yeah, I was kept guessing right to the end, and that's always a satisfying experience with a film. Yeah. And it's, I mean, if you're into twist endings, everybody watch Munari, but because that has a twist ending. <laughs> I still get heebie-jeebies thinking about it. So, should we move on to the next film? Yes. And this is this is one I don't think you've watched, um, but I did. I, I haven't. Babam Cheyatala. It is, um, it's very actually easy to sum up because it opens with two apparently affluent Christian families arranging a wedding. And the one family that, that's at the center of this with the groom's family um, is talking about they're going to host the betrothal ceremony and um, celebration afterwards. And the bride's family is going to host the wedding, but for their family, they want to they they talk about setting a good example because poor people will follow rich people, and if rich people do things in a way that's too extravagant, then poor people will try and do it, and that's not good. So they they've warned the bride's family that it's going to be a much lower key ev event than they're expecting, and they can do whatever they want with the wedding. Um, but we discover. Um, after the bride's family leaves, that the reason they ha are arranging this um, marriage is because 
the bride's family is very wealthy, much more wealthy than they appear to be. Um, and the groom's family is desperate for money. Mm-hmm. So, the, and it's quite funny, the minute the, the, minute the, the bride's family leaves, they all run for the briefcase with the money. And the, the, um, the one, it's, he's not the eldest brother, but the one brother who is um, acting as the head, Roy, played by Vinay Fort, um, he's the one sort of managing the money and doling it out to people and juggling all of these balls because they've got, they've got to pay for the betrothal celebration. They've got money lenders that they have to pay off. Um, and we're talking about the so dowry this, that the girl's family gets. Yes. The boys have. Yes. So then um, it, the rest of the film is pretty much set with the, the betrothal ceremony in the church and the celebration afterwards. And quite honestly, it just completely devolves into chaos. Now, the title of the film is, um, in English, is uh, He Without Sin Who... Uh, let he without sin cast the first stone. And the backbone of this film are it's kind of the seven deadly sins plus um, the Ten Commandments and the breaking of the Ten Commandments. And every single person in this film is someone who is sinning or has a secret or indulges in behavior that really isn't terribly Christian. But we don't know that with everyone it's just this slow over the course of the film this slow reveal of each person and it's a it's a very big extended cast um because it's you know families and friends and um the the groom at at some point is actually shown to be more obsessed with making the wedding videos and he and his crew are constantly <laughs> in the background shooting these wedding videos and that it becomes quite key because one of the cameras they have is a drone camera um, mm-hmm. So the drone camera goes around the celebration and reveals things that people probably wouldn't prefer to have revealed. Um, there's um, the bride, as we discover, uh, it, it, the, the bride doesn't come to the meeting between the two families. And when her family offers her phone number to the groom, the, the older brother says, no, 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 no. He doesn't need that. They don't need to meet. Um, his, his motivation is, is to keep everybody apart so that he can get the money and deal with it. And they even sort of tell the father of the bride that, you know, here, this is half the dowry and we expect the other half of the dowry the morning of the ceremony at the church. And if you don't send it, groom doesn't show up. And I don't think they really believe him. But then they're in the church wondering, well, where is the groom? Where is the groom? Well, they're all sitting at home waiting for the money to arrive in the, in the <laughs> bank account. And then they go to the church. Um, and then they discover that's when they meet the bride. And it, it becomes quite apparent that um, the reason they were very willing to, you know, not ask too many questions in setting up this marriage is that the bride has some... Um, mental issues. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's very. Her father says we've spoiled her and she's mischievous, but it's really beyond that. She has like no filter. 
Um, uh, the the actress um, who plays her, um, Shanti Balajandran. So, yeah, um, this was a line that could very easily have been crossed and ended up dreadful, but she never crosses that line. But she's but she's always sort of she's the. the <laughs> The eldest brother in the family spends his days smoking marijuana and listening to jazz music, and he's the one who hires the band, which is all this like loungy jazz music, and everybody's complaining about it. But she gets them to play to play more upbeat things, and she starts dancing, and she never stops. And and then they they make her to go to take you know the the pictures for the the album, and she's getting the groom to to piggyback her and and to you know. <laughs> to lift her and carry her and she's like she's really wild and she's very funny but at, at that point the, the the parents are standing there watching her behavior and the father says what's going on with her and the mother says well you know what she's like and the father says I do but this is much worse than she usually is and the mother says well I forgot to give her her medication so at some point they have to call her doctor in to give her medication and everything just sort of devolves into chaos there's um there's a hysterical character. Um, I have to look it up. Um, well, I can't. I can't find his name. But there's this one character who is, um, who works for the catering company that they've hired for the celebration, and when we first meet him. He's sitting out the back, supposed to be washing washing dishes, and he's listening to some old Malayalam movie song, and he's very mopey and melancholy, and his boss comes out and says, you know, she left you 12 years ago, <laughs> you have to get over her. Like, he's a, he's he's been perpetually depressed about this woman who left him. And he's part of the catering team, and one of the one of the daughters of the groom's family, one of the sisters, is the woman that left, and she goes up to get food as he serves her, and she's asking him questions, and it, and there's a it turns out there's a misunderstanding between the two of them. Like the whole film is like this, with these little details in the background, um, secrets that get revealed. I left. I laughed so much the first time and I thought, okay, well, I, I've seen it now. I, I think I laughed even more picking up little details the second time through. It's, a, it, again, one of these films like Amalu that nobody, very few people were talking about, particularly as we hit, you know, year-end lists, um, but incredibly, incredibly funny. And I think one of my favorites from, from last year. You really sold it for me. Um, I really want to watch this. <laughs> I will say um, one of the cast members is Alencia uh, Le Lopez, and he's had a lot of uh, he's had some uh, sexual harassment allegations against him. So um, you know, be warned for people who want to avoid well, and that's, with problematic people. That's actually uh, here. I will give a spoiler. Um, he actually plays um, a man who turns up at the celebration and they're all being very polite to him because he's arrived. He, he's obviously a guest and yet they can't place who he is. And they're part of the thing that's going on is they're trying to figure out who he is. 
and he reveals that he's actually the father of the groom. And it gets oh. worse. It gets worse because he was the former parish uh, priest in this parish. Oh, God. And he's come to the wedding to blackmail the family. <laughs> like, his character is really <laughs> skeezy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's just one, one more of these things that, and, and the whole, the whole idea is this um, exploration in a very dark and funny way of, you know, people's moralities and, um, but the, but the, by the time we get to the reveal about his character and he's um like a priest who's been defrocked because he's been he's like he's terrible he's a terrible 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 character so um yeah so we've got we've got three priests in a row at least <laughs> two of them are creeps or terrible people and we've got two drones, like, in these last two movies. <laughs> drones that uncover things. We've got a lot, a lot of binding themes this year. But that, that leads us to our final film. I don't know about you, but I think this was probably my favorite film of the year. It was, it was just pure joy. It was, it was really fun and everything we needed during a pandemic. So the last film is... From Netflix, Varini uh, Avishimunda. Directed by Anup Satyan. Um, at some point, we're going to, to talk about nepotism, um, film families. And one of the things that strikes me about this film is uh, Dulker's first production from his production house. Um, and I've mentioned before, I think he makes sort of interesting choices in connecting himself with friends and sort of families in the business for his, um, his productions. Um, so you've got, you know, Anup Satyan, the, the son of Satyan Atikad. Um You've got a whole range of... Yeah, you've got a whole range of people involved in this film who have connections to other other people. Um, mm -hmm. And yet, everything about this film works. Everything about this film, you don't, you don't feel like people are, um, are just getting by on, on their connections alone. I think except for um, Shobana, who we've not seen in a little bit, um, this, you know, I, I, I think in a different industry, in a different film, this could have been, they could have spent a lot of time revisiting, um, their fathers or mothers <laughs> movies back from back in the day and like making references to it constantly. Like that could have, def that would have definitely happened in a film like this in Hindi, probably in Dongo too. Um, well, and and there, actually, let's let's start by getting you to give a little summary of, of what the film's about. Sure. Yeah. Um, so this is about a bunch of people who live in a um, society uh, in a uh, flat uh, in a building in Chennai. Um, the lead is um, played by Kalyani Priyadarshan, um, 
who is this young woman with uh, raised by a single mother, played by Shobna. They just moved to Chennai, and uh, Kalyani's Varane Aishamunde means groom wanted, and Kalyani's character Nikki um, is very insistent she will only have an arranged marriage because her mom had a love marriage and they, she got divorced from uh nikki's dad so she says she's very insistent that she's decent quote unquote um and that she will only uh marry somebody who's been arranged and so um the first like the so the the there's this whole her developing a relationship with a guy she's met on one of the matrimonial sites and then the, we're at the same time we're meeting everybody in who lives in this building uh including um Duker's character who who's like a young man with we think we're led to assume his grandmother and and um his younger brother there's uh, Suresh Gobi's character he's a retired military guy who's all alone um and has a bunch of anger issues so he doesn't get along with everybody else in the building there's um there's the lady who comes to do cooking and cleaning for the people in the building uh there's there's other laborers and their families who live like on the top of the on the terrace in a little like um one room chat or something and um and there's a bunch of you know there's the there's people who own other flats in the building who also uh, live in the building like a Tamil couple. Um, so basically, there's a bunch of Malayalis. There's a few Tamil people, um, and that's what the the story revolves around. Uh, Dilker has his girlfriend at work, um, and she's uh, kind of playing him. It seems like she wants to move abroad, and he doesn't want to. So he they're always fighting about it. Um, and Shobana and Suresh Gobi's character obviously form a connection um, because he starts going to like uh, the uh, to anger management uh, sessions with a therapist, and so um, he starts to form a connection with her um, as two single older people. I love this film. I love this film so much that I can just gush and and. I want to explain every little every little nub of it. I mean, I adore Shobana. Yeah, I mean, this the biggest selling point of this movie is Shobana. And and they make this joke that everybody says, "Oh, she looks like the actress Shobana." Shobana, yes, <laughs> which, which is cute. You know, they don't overplay it too much, but but it it's really cute. The other thing I liked about this was um, Suresh Gopi playing against type. Because I think his... Playing into his, type and then against type. <laughs> yes, because he often plays, you know, these, um, you know, hero, heroic policemen or, you know, vigilante lawyers or military men and, you know, as very much as hero films. So he is still playing the retired army officer but it's really lovely that he has to sort of pull, like you know, and he's got a very distinctive dialogue delivery for those for those types of roles. And it's really lovely to see him sort of pull back on that, um, to 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 realize that he's got these anger management issues and they need to be solved. 
Um, I love the moment where the therapist says he needs to get a pet and suggests a fish. So his friend <laughs> takes him to the pet store and gets the fish, and he's looking at the Doberman <laughs> and, and brings home the Doberman, which it, it, it's sort of like an... Uh, um, it's almost as at the beginning that he really doesn't know even know how to deal with the Doberman, even though this is the dog he's chosen. And everybody else has to give him advice about what to do with the Doberman. Um, but I really loved that, that, as you said, playing to type, but also against type. I also like the fact that here we have a mature couple entering into a romance. Um, and And how that... I think Nikki, the daughter, um, reacts in a way that's probably very expected. She's, and be, because her um, her relationship that she finally feels is going to be arranged with the, the chocolate maker, um, and it ends up broken off because he can't accept the fact that her mother might have another man in her life. Um, I think her reaction is quite what you would expect in that situation. And, and the, and the relationship between mother and daughter too. I mean, they, they're sort of Nikki at moments tries to find the thing that's the, that's the most hurtful to say because she's hurt as well. Yeah. Her, um, I just liked that. A lot of times you see single moms in movies and they're just like hopelessly devoted to their children. And, and fair enough, you know, a lot of single moms are hopelessly devoted to their children. But I just really like that she, Chauvinet's character was, was a woman who was just, she was on her own journey. Like she, that was yep. independent of her child. You know, she's, she's uh, teaching at the French Alliance. Um, she's got her own, she, you know, she's learning dance, um, or she's still practicing dance, she's singing, um, and she's not wrapped up in this whole arranged marriage, uh, business that her daughter has going on. She's supportive, but she yeah. probably, she's not, like, wrapped up in it. And it, I, I, I think, you know, we get the idea from her cousin who comes to visit her all the time, that she's always been like this. She's always been an independent woman who's, uh, done her own thing and and made her own choices and taken uh you know she's 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 not a, apologetic about it and i think you know we get these uh insights into nikki that she wishes her mother was more like the kind of devoted uh, to only to her child's single mother um and and the reason she's very interested in the guy that she thought she was going to get engaged to was because he had a mother played by Rishi, um, who who is who is the very motherly doting type of mother and and uh and i think it's actually like you know we there's a lot of playing to type and playing uh, because we do get that image of Shobana as like this kind of single woman who's been doing her own thing her whole life she has a daughter um you know, and we get like Instagram stuff about her, but I don't, you know, Chauvinet has never portrayed herself as that kind of like, I'm just going to be a housewife, that kind of person. And, you know, and she's always, always had that little more like a homemaker vibe, even though, you know, she's, she's had her own interesting life. She's not, 
She's certainly not uh, just a doting mom. Um, so there's well, a lot of plain er- type for the older actors. And Irvish's character, even though she is more the doting doting mom for Nikki, um, she's a dentist. She has her own profession. She's a dentist. Yes. And when the relationship is broken off, Nikki says she's actually more sad to lose his mother. Um, it, it's a really lovely character because she comes to see her to tell her that she shouldn't marry her son, that her son is more conservative than even she realized, and Nikki would be very unhappy. I, I was sort of blown away by that. Like, she's not being mean. She's like, I'm looking out for you because I do care about you. Yes. Um, it. You know, we talk about how, you know, in Anjan uh, Badria, despite how often uh, Catherine Murray is on screen, we get no insight into her as a person. But in this, she's not on screen that much, but when she is, we get so much insight into her as a person. You know, she's in her dental practice. She's with her patients. She's, uh, she's, she says, she's, we talk, get some insight into her marriage saying, you know, he's more like his dad than me. And, and we get that it's not probably the happiest marriage. Um, and, I, you know, the, 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 it's a really good example of how doing more with less. Yes, exactly. And I mean, I'm always happy when Irvishy shows up in a film as well. So it's like an, an, just another extra bonus, an extra layer that this film gets. I also like the fact that even for Bibish and Nikki, it's, it's, they get to know each other because they live in the same apartment complex. And it's only until very late in the film where they form a relationship. Up until yeah, then... So- Oh, uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh well, it was it was interesting that we, you know, we we see that they're becoming their friends and that they're getting closer. But I think it's only when like a Shogun's character tells Suresh Gobi's character, I think Nikki and Frog, I think Nikki and Frog are dating. <laughs> they're like, oh, oh, right, they are. We we just like you know all of a sudden they're standing together. We didn't realize. I mean, we could have realized because there were two young people in the building, but like, you know, we could have also just been a friendship. Uh, but yeah, it's her mom who's like very chill with us. And so, yeah, I think they're dating. Also, the scene where Nikki meets the major um, to talk to him. And it's like she's she's got this finally this acceptance about the potential relationship between him and her mother. Mm-hmm. And she's sort of asking him, do you drink? Do you smoke? Um, like, she, she's sort of vetting him a little bit. Right. She takes, she's decided she's going to be her mom's, uh, like, uh, like the, the elder in the family to reach the marriage <laughs> or to figure it out. Um, I, you know, as you mentioned, the dog thing, I, I liked. I got a dog. I mean, my family's got a dog recently, so I just know how much more people talk to you if you have a dog. And the fact that like the kids wanted to come meet the dog, and that he just started being more social because he had a dog, was well. It's very we don't talk about dogs in Malayalam cinema at all, so I was really charmed by that. 
And I loved the fact, I mean, we come back to found families again, you know, and people who live in this complex. What struck me was that doors are often left open, people coming in and out of their homes, people talk to each other, people gather, you know, in, in front of the apartment building and talk about things. And um, I, I can see how sometimes that might be, you know, a little problematic because everybody is in your business. But I also really like that um, idea. It's like, I wish I had an apartment on one of these floors and I could open the door and, you know, talk to people or, or you know, see the see the woman coming with her pressure cooker to, to cook meals or... Um, I just, yeah, I really, I really loved the relationships that kind of developed out of, between all of these people living in this, in this complex. I read a review that from, uh, I think, I don't know if it was by the Drungan or some other Tamil reviewer who said that uh, um, this Leon cinema has captured um, Chennai life more than any Tamil cinema. And I was, and I, I agree, it has a great sense of rootedness and a sense of place. Um, you know, the, I think I, you know, even I know, I don't, I've never lived in Chennai, but I know about the French Alliance in Chennai. Um, I was, you know what, I, I didn't think Bhagyashree was the best option for dubbing Shobana for this movie because, I mean, you speak French more than I do, but I thought her accent was like way off and I was having a hard time picking up what she was saying. Like, was it, would she have been good enough to teach at the French Alliance? I, that is a question I sort of batted around in my head, because obviously the three teachers who interview her at one point um, are very fluent or sound very fluent. Um, I've, I've recently had the, the instance I'm watching a drama about a woman who um, studied pastry making in Paris. And there are moments where her character is required to speak French and I have to turn subtitles on because I, I do not understand a thing. And there are another character who's, who's like that. And I feel, I really feel for the actors in this case, um, because imagine being told you need to speak French because this is integral to your character. Um, I do think um, the French is not bad. I could understand what it's she was saying. It sounded, you know what, it sounded to me like how somebody who's had to learn, who's had to learn French as a second language to use it for a job rather than somebody who learned French out of passion like Chauvin's character clearly did. Um, and yeah, it, it was very functional. The French was yes. very functional. Yes. Yeah, that, I think that's um, a very good way to put it. To put it. Um, you know, and there are little moments where one of the characters, a small character, asks her, who's going in for this this same interview, asks her, "Is it, you know, is it this verb form, this form, this form?" And she answers, she obviously is a bit more of a of um, able to help people out with their language learning. Um, probably, if we had had to see her really teaching, we might have been. I might have been a little more critical, but certainly, yeah, func I think fun the, it's functional. I can understand it. Um, I wish Shobana would dub for herself. She's only done it once. I wish. I wish, yeah. That I think Shobana could have made a, a 
could have made a better effort when French, I think. Um, just because, you know, if you're dubbing for yourself rather than somebody else, you would have made more of an effort to, like, get the accent right. Um, but, you know, I think at this point, Bhagyashree's voice has so intrinsically been part of show every performance Shobhana has had that I, you know, I, I, I assume filmmakers think that people wouldn't be able to, like, people would feel off listening to another voice coming out of her. Plus, Shobhana her has voice, speaks in, she speaks in heavily accented Malayalam, like, she has uh, she has a strong Tamar accent when she speaks in Malayalam, so that is probably one thing holding her back. Yeah, I was I was wondering about the decision to to always have her, but then that, that there's that uh, that thread in in the film Salt and Pepper, where um, the character who's the dubbing artist complains, you know, why why do you hire these actresses from outside of Kerala just because they're pretty? Why don't you hire someone who can speak the language? But all of that would put her out of a job. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, one other character is um, the series actress, played by Kate oh, yeah, Lalita. Played... Oh, yes. She, uh, Again. Yeah, we, uh, she, she just like falls into stardom <laughs> as like an older woman who just decided to move to Chennai. It's a very interesting, it was a very interesting introduction to her. And as you mentioned earlier, we do think in the beginning that she is somehow related. And everybody else assumes, um, because they she's asked at one point, "Are you? how are you related to them? Are you, are you their aunt? Are you their grandmother? And she's like very offended by grandmother. I'm not old enough to be their grandmother. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you probably are. Um, yeah, but she's... And that's, uh, that's Santosh uh, Shivansan. Oh, okay. Cool. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, the, the younger brother. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the fact that she's, she was in a WhatsApp yoga group with, the, with their actual aunt and, you know, just decided, well, they need someone to go with them. I can do that. Like, I love, I love some of the agency that all, of, particularly the older women are given Absolutely. I, I think that that was very refreshing. Uh, we honestly, you know, because it's true, a lot of women are now alone after they've been widowed and their kids are abroad or something like that. And and yeah, it's very nice to see them just, you know, going about their lives, doing their own thing. Um, and have you seen the movie uh, uh, um on Prime or Netflix? Um, the one with Je the little anthology series. No, no, I haven't. Okay, so for me, in a lot of ways, this movie, because I watched Pudhubutam Kale first, um, this movie felt like a continuation of the first um, l um, short film in that, which is um, by Sudha Kangara. Um, it's Ilamai Idoida with Jeram and Urvashi and Kalyani and um, and Jeram's son, um, Kalidasan. So 
in a lot of ways, this is, you know, you can, you can take that idea of older people finding love, having agency, um, in, you know, when their kids are grown and all their responsibilities are done. And it's good that we have, so, so, you know, that like these older actors are playing their age instead of insisting Oh God, on... yes. Yes. I mean, Marla and Lomodou are never going to st- start playing their age, but it's good that like sort of these B-tier heroes are, are uh, allowing themselves to age on screen. One of the things I did want to ask about um, was the relationship between sort of Malayalis who go to Chennai, because it seems to me to happen a lot that they go to live in Chennai. And I'm wondering what sort of the motivations for that are. To be honest, I don't know a lot about Chennai. It's like it's one of those cities Malayalis moved to that I actually don't know much about. Like I know about Bangalore, um, and I think it's you know because I think Kochi is still not that big a city. Um, Chennai, Chennai, like Bangalore, like Dubai is the three big cities that Malayalis get out to to live big city life, and and um, and to have these dynamics that you only find in big cities. Um, and this is, you know, once again, a, a sort of, you know, when you talk about found family, you also have to think about why it's okay to reject your family of origin. Um, like the fact that uh, Nikki kind of rejects her grandmother because she thinks her uh, grandmother doesn't like her. And, the, and, and you kind of get the feeling that like her mother is not a typical, like, um, stereotypical Indian mother. Her grandmother is not a stereotypical doting Indian grandmother, and she's kind of um, stuck in her ways and doesn't want to compromise with her granddaughter. And and uh, yeah, you kind of get the feel. You, this is another movie that underscores that you you do get to choose your family, um, and you don't need to be make yourself less to be part of your family of origin or or the guy you married and was abusing you. Yeah, I was just, I, it does, and it is a good device to, because if you pull people out of the place they come from and put them in a new place, it does allow you to start exploring some of those issues, kind of a fish out of water, fish out of family <laughs> thing. Yeah, and it creates, I mean, as you said, it creates a, a greater sense of agency about making choices for yourself rather than doing what um, what your family immediate and extended wants you to do. I mean, we're talking about, we just talked about and how that is very much embedded in the extended family and how, you know, you're kind of forced to go along with what the extended family wants while people who are um, on their own out in the world living in cities get to choose their paths a lot more. And we're going to talk a lot more about this the next episode, I think. <laughs> City life. So, I mean, I guess that's a, that's a pretty good place to to wrap up. You know, I think our yeah. I think our choices for the films that we found interesting or impactful probably are a little bit different from um <laughs> the mainstream, which is good. <laughs> Yeah, you know, 
it's a new set of movies for people who can look at, except for about an Aftermunda. I think that's a very, that's one of those movies that everybody liked. And everybody should Universally watch. Universally loved. I, yes. I, I, I've seen it like four times already. And I don't, <laughs> I don't tire of it. Like, sometimes I watch a film and, I, and I'm like, it will be like pulling teeth if I have to watch you again. But this film is just so delightful and joyous and refreshing and interesting um, that I would happily watch it again and again. Yeah, um, I will say the Mareli, um organization in Chennai in this is uh, like the the doctor has a big role in it, and and the fact that he just kind of like <laughs> pushes Mahmoud. I'm sorry, so you should be into like um, because he climbed Everest or something <laughs> to, into like becoming a you know being the chief guest at their events is, is very funny and you know Malayali associations are like that they kind of bully you into doing things any Malayali who's lived um, out of Kerala knows that these uh, associations are very function like that yeah I've seen I've seen that from from outside <laughs> but I mean again that's something I can I, 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 having been an expat I can understand that a little bit how you want to you want to cling to a group of people because it's actually very comforting. And then the group dynamics kind of take over at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody, you know, you, you know, you start off with the idea of like wanting to get your community together and then like the power struggles begin. That's human nature though. Yeah. So we've kind of summed up. And you've already touched on the fact that the next theme we're going to look at um, is urbanism or city life. Um, do you want to mention the films that we're going to look at? Yeah, uh, we have chosen a couple that we think uh, highlight um, city life as shown in Malayalam cinema. Um, Helen, um, Bangalore Days, and Betty Barbara. I think they're all three different kinds of films, and uh, I think they all have something different and interesting to say about city life. So let's let's um, hope people are interested to come back and, and take a listen and see what we have to say. That's right. All right, take care, Catherine. You too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Poland and Petit podcast. If you like what you're hearing, remember to come back for our next episode and share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at polandidapati at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Twitter feed at polandidapati. See you next time.